today on Growth Mindset University. Marijuana does not kill brain cells. Really? No, it causes the brain cells to actually thrive and talk to one another better. However, you're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My guest today is Klee Irwin. Klee is an author, physicist, and entrepreneur who dedicates the majority of his time to quantum gravity research an institute he founded in 2009. He's also the founder and owner of Irwin Naturals, a global natural supplement company sold in thousands of retailers ranging from Walmart to Whole Foods. I actually have CBD oil, lemon CBD oil right here that I got at a, uh, at a place called Kimberton Whole Foods. It's not Whole Foods. It's called Kimberton Whole Foods. It's in, uh, it's in Pennsylvania. In 2018, Clee authored the book Pain Nation, which educates on the science and uses of CBD, which helps with countless medical conditions. We're going to be talking about that a lot today. He has also invested in causes and companies such as Change.org, Upworthy, Moon Express, founded by our friend, friend of the podcast, Naveen Jain, the XPRIZE Foundation, and Singularity University, where he's an associate founder. Clee Irwin, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Jordan. So people can find you, cleeirwin.com and irwinnaturals.com. They can pick up some of your supplements and health products there that you have, which I highly recommend. I've known about the brand for years. I've had several different products of yours over the years. Uh, you know, just been seeing it in Whole Foods or Kimberton Whole Foods or where, what have you. Seems like it's everywhere for a long time. So I'm very familiar with it. You can get it on Amazon too, right? You can order yeah, it from Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So- this is, this is going to be interesting today because we're here to talk about CBD. Could you call it? I know CBD is a component of marijuana, but like, do you, are, would you mix the, like, would you consider yourself an advocate for marijuana in general also? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Yeah. So... This is going to be very interesting for me because I was the kid that I'm 22 right now. I always thought, you know, I'll never do a drug in my in my life. Uh, you know, it was it was I was always very proud of it. I did not, uh, I didn't do anything until until very recently. I only started experimenting. I've done it under, uh, I've done, uh, you know, I, I've done it in edible form, but I've done it under five times in in my life you know with the with the actual thc so right because i i was i was like holding on to this this clean slate that i had this blank slate that i had like like there were like oh there's no spots on my record you you know like there's yes like i've never done a drug it was like a pride thing right even though nobody cares and it doesn't actually matter yes so I was like, you know what? I'm an experimenter now. I'm an adventurer. I'm going to try this, see if I like it. I really don't know. I don't have, uh, I, I was actually against it for a really long time right? without knowing too much. I actually wrote this article, a very negative article about it almost three years ago about right. marijuana in general. And uh, the jury's still out 
I I have not decided whether I like it or not, but I've had some good experiences with it, and it's I feel that it has opened up new neural pathways, yeah. uh, new patterns of thinking. Right. But I want to start with this. What are some of the biggest misconceptions when we talk about marijuana, CBD, THC? Sure. Um, well, the they're about. Uh, 300 different plant chemicals in the marijuana plant. That's um, the proper name is cannabis. So this plant called cannabis um, has uh, about 300 different chemicals in it uh, called phytochemicals, just plant chemicals. And about 100 of those are called cannabinoids. So it's a class of, of those 300. And then of the cannabinoids, um, two of the ones that show up in high ratios of many uh, strains are a cannabinoid called THC and another one called CBD. And the difference between those two cannabinoids is that um, one gets you high and the other doesn't. CBD does not get you high. Right. THC gets you high. Um, and, and one of the other misconceptions is the word uh, drug. Mm. So, uh, and it's helpful for Americans to look back at their history and realize when, where we went wrong. Yeah. I want to and, talk about this. and usually it takes a few years to really recognize in mass where we've got gone wrong. So for example, if you go to the South after the civil war, when slavery was made illegal, you would still have polled and found that there was a a nice uh, fraction of the people who still thought slavery was ethical and was not immoral. But right, if right. you go to the South now, the vast majority, hardcore conservative Republicans will say that it was absolutely wrong. So we have a, a situation that was sort of like that in the form of um, the drug called alcohol. So alcohol, mm. well, a, technically a drug is anything a recreational drug is anything which influences your state of mind. So, um, you know, eating potatoes won't influence your state of mind much, uh, but um, getting tipsy or high or yeah, drunk yeah. or buzzed off of bourbon uh, will influence your mind, and people use that recreationally. So it's uh, in every term of any, any sense of the word, alcohol is a drug. I guess and, yeah. I guess kava is a drug too. You know, are you familiar with kava? Yeah, it gives you a, at, yeah, a, at yeah. a high enough dose, it can give you a real chill buzz. Oh, I've felt it. Oh yeah, yeah. I go to the kava bar often. Yeah, not, not multiple times a week, but yeah. maybe every other week. But yeah, yeah. Continue. So so anyway, so on this train of thought, so we had we had um, historically in Europe, right the drug of choice was uh, to get buzzed in the evening on a couple glasses of wine or some or some you know bourbon or whatever it is they would they would get high on alcohol right and <clears throat> but it was respectable and it was decent and it was moral until it wasn't so in when prohibition be- began the country legally decided that it was immoral sinful and illegal to get high on alcohol and that didn't last for very long and during the period of prohibition you could easily estimate that every 
member of Congress that was getting high on alcohol prior to the first day of prohibition was getting high on alcohol as often as they would have otherwise during all of prohibition. It didn't yeah, really, yeah, yeah. it didn't really change the use. It just sucked out millions of dollars from schools and police departments and the tax base and um, basically fueled a very uh, prodigious organized crime environment. So they kind of yeah. look back. And I, they, I always think it's yeah. funny, like in, in the great Gatsby, that movie, yeah. you ever, you ever see that movie? And yeah. like, you, you walk into the barbershop, Gatsby yeah. walks in the barbershop and then, and yeah, like he winks at him and then they turn the door and then downstairs right? there's like the speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's all that. There's the party with all the alcohol and right? even in these high government officials, all there. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, so what, what, what's so interesting about just paying attention to this period is during that period, we said, all right, this drug, which used to be the acceptable white man's drug of choice, because back in those days, um, the fact is, is that almost all of Congress was male and white, right? And it's not like a Congress of today where it's, where it's more diversified. And so the, the guys who made the law that it was going to become immoral and illegal, um, the, 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 before they made the law, this was the white man's drug of choice. And at that time, to purchase distilled spirits, okay, was expensive for very poor Mexicans and, um, Mexican immigrants and blacks that were living in the, in the, in the rural poorest parts of the country. Like they couldn't afford to just go in and buy some alcohol. So what they were doing is they, their drug of choice was this plant that you could easily mm -hmm. grow. Mm -hmm. And it was very well known to all of Congress and local police and federal police. And they didn't really have a problem with it. So then they made their drug of choice illegal during the few years of prohibition. Then they realized, oh my God, we just created the mafia and we just didn't change. We ripped out our tax base from all this revenue and nobody stopped drinking. <laughs> not even the guys in Congress. So they said that was silly and they ended prohibition. So then they, after prohibition, they allowed marijuana to remain legal as it always has had been. And so we truck through the thirties, the forties, the fifties, marijuana is perfectly legal. Everybody knows that people of color were using it. And then what happened is we hit the 1960s and the college age children of the white elite who controlled the government, they started thinking, well, you know what? We're in college now and it's so tired to use the drug of choice of our, of our fathers. Let's get crazy and use the drug of choice of these uh, colored people that, that, you know, colored meaning people of color, not black people. So then mm -hmm. they would basically exactly. start getting high on that plant. And then within just a few years by 1970, the, uh, the, the government said, oh, that's going too far. If the people of color use it, that's cool. But now that our own kids are using it and they're not adopting our drug of choice, alcohol, a drug that gives you liver cirrhosis, causes violent barroom fights and, oh, has a, yeah. and has a chemical mechanism of action that's hard to kick once you get addicted. Yeah. Marijuana has no chemical mechanism. The DUIs though, the, the, the deaths oh, from heck, that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. then they made it illegal. That was 1970. So by next year, it will be legal because it's already passed, uh, you know, through the first wave in Congress. It's pretty unanimous. The White House supports legalization. The majority of Congress does. And so by, by 2020, it'll be, it'll be legal. And you will have had from 1970 
to, to, to 2020, a half century period of absolutely irrational and illogical prohibition, just the way everybody admits that alcohol prohibition was illogical. So that's, that's a good way to step back and realize, wow, what we label with this word drug may not be the scientific definition. It, it's a label that says what's legal or illegal at a, at a given time. So therefore, alcohol during prohibition, that would fit that definition of a drug if you mean illegal. So I think it never should have been illegal. Alcohol never should have been illegal. And why should, if alcohol is harmful and damages society and wrecks families, well, why shouldn't it be illegal? And the answer is because the government is not our parents. They should stop no. things like crack cocaine that can have societally damaging effects. But if a minority of people abuse alcohol, we shouldn't punish the majority who want to who want to do something that may not be healthy because they're grown, they're adults. So that's the way I look at marijuana. It doesn't matter where, whether I use it personally or I don't. It's about it's about I don't use alcohol, but I don't think that it that just because it's harmful and can cause addictions that I should expect the government to play parent and and take it from from grown people to have their freedom of discretion. Yeah, so we draw the line where things are very clearly extremely damaging like obviously heroin, cocaine as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. Uh I don't know where like mushrooms would fall under that. Nobody's I think he's been killed by mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, sh that should perhaps be legal. I think there's a lot of arguments there for that, and I'm not really qualified to speak yeah. on that. That's not what we're here to hey, talk Jordan, about Hey, Jordan, I completely agree with you. I think if it, doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't threaten to rip apart society and kill millions of people, then whether you think it's healthy or this or that, as long as it's not too unhealthy, like alcohol it give, used in moderation by adults, you should give them the freedom to either abuse it and then they're going to have their own problems and pay their repercussions or to not abuse it and have a glass of wine with dinner. And mushrooms are very, very much yeah, like yeah. that. Well, the story though, back to cannabis is uh, of like why it was illegal. Something that before researching you in preparation for, for this, for our conversation today, I had no idea about. So that was all very fascinating to me. So before I... I am going to play devil's advocate because, again, as I mentioned in my experimentation, like the jury's still out. I've not decided yet. I, I I lie on like both sides, maybe in the middle. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like we're we're gonna talk about why it's really beneficial, some of the benefits and the science behind it, and then I'm gonna play devil's advocate. So, so what are these benefits and what's the science behind uh, cannabis? So I'll tell you some benefits, but before I do, let me say one 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 sentence. Even if there were no benefits whatsoever, if you're going to make that illegal, at least make alcohol illegal again, because that for sure has no great known benefits other than <laughs> other than maybe white, maybe red wine helping with this one chemical. And, for and one it, no, and it really and, and the 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 red the red wine being beneficial, like you would have to drink <laughs> one thousand glasses of red wine every single morning if you wanted to get the exactly. actual dose that is beneficial, which is Good very point. stupid. Good point. So it's it's sort of like we need to have a consistent philosophy. So if we wanted to run a kind of communist kind of state where we where we just really control adults then let's make alcohol illegal as well but <laughs> but i'll still tell you the benefits so um in uh in the 1980s a uh a system in the body was discovered which is 
as ubiquitously distributed in the body as the immune system and as functionally crucial to life as the immune system. And it, and it was amazing that it went without detection all the way until the 80s. And it's called the endocannabinoid system. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll geek out without getting too technical. But the endocannabinoid system does two things. It assembles weed molecules, right? It assembles the molecules in marijuana called cannabinoids from simpler molecules that you eat. And then it takes those molecules that act like keys and it operates them on locks that are called endocannabinoid receptors. And when those molecules that we make in our own body open the lock of the endocannabinoid receptors, then the endocannabinoid system does its function, which is to balance or make other systems in the body talk to one another better. So when, it, when two or more systems of your body are not talking to each other chemically and electromagnetically, they malfunction because the, the structure of the body is about systems uh, all talking to one another, exchanging information and chemicals. Anyway, if a system in your body, two systems or more, stop talking to each other properly for an extended period of time, then you will get a malfunction of the system for an extended period of time, which is called dis-ease or disease. And so anyway, when you what the job of the endocannabinoid system is, is that whenever uh, systems in the body get out of whack, and get into a diseased state of not talking to one another, the endocannabinoid system does the Rodney King. And it says, hey, can't we all just get along? Can we <laughs> just talk to each other? And, uh, and that's what it does. And so you might ask, well, wait a minute, Clee. If your body is making weed molecules, then why would we need to take it supplementally from a plant? Mm. And it's similar to the answer that I would give you, well, what if your body makes insulin, which it does, but what if you jack yourself up with so much sugar nonstop that your body's ability to produce enough insulin and your pancreas's ability to do that just kind of gives out? Yeah, sure. Then in that case, you'll have to take supplemental insulin and then that, and, and then you're a diabetic. And so, um, similarly, if you, if you keep your body in a perpetual state of stress by behaving in a manner that evolutionary biology never intended, like the way I behave, I'm on like 24 seven. My idea of relaxing is watching Game of Thrones on TV, which puts my whole nervous system in a state of alert. And then, and then I'm on podcasts like this one. I'm on mm -hmm. my iPhone. I'm on my desktop. I'm making decisions. I'm, I'm just on just in that rat race constantly. And I don't want to slow down. Like, I don't want to just move into the mountains and just live a life like my ancestors did, you know, millions of years, you know, thousands of years ago. So I need supplemental endocannab, I need supplemental cannabinoids. And I get those from plants that also make these most, uh, almost all and every single mammal on the planet makes uh, these cannabinoid molecules. But they don't live stressful lives like we do, so they don't need the supplemental ones. Ah, so to make it very, very clear, stress depletes cannabinoids. It, it exactly does. Got you. Okay. So this is where I'm going to start playing devil's advocate here. Is it a gateway drug? This is, 
I'm, I'm going to have more unique questions coming. I know you get this question all the time, but I want people to hear this. Is it a gateway drug? Uh, it might be. So I'll say why it might be, and I'll say why it might not be. So why it might be is that if somebody tries marijuana and then they try alcohol, then it was a gateway to alcohol. If they try co cocaine or something after that, or mushrooms, then it was a gateway to that, technically speaking. But uh, it might not be because there's some statistical evidence scientifically that implies that it's not. For example, when people are abusing alcohol and methamphetamine, it turns out that marijuana use uh, has the chemical ability to break uh, the chemical mechanism of action. Let me comment on chemical mechanisms of action for addiction really quick. Yeah, yeah. So not everything that is a recreational drug is addictive. Um, I'll give you a couple that are. Nicotine is addictive and alcohol is addictive. They, they literally have a chemical pathway that is part of the addiction mechanism where if you don't use it, you'll, you'll, you'll get pain, like hunger pangs and headaches and your body will go into like heroin-like convulsions, but just of different levels. Um, if you drink one, uh, 20 ounce Starbucks coffee, Every day, caffeine is exceedingly addictive. It has a mechanism. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. You'll get a headache. If you go cold turkey, you'll get a headache. So that's like a low-level version of heroin withdrawal. Um, there just happens to be no chemical mechanism of action for mushrooms or marijuana. So it's not chemically addictive. It can mm. A person can get in a habit, but a, a person could get in a habit of eating French fries as well. So so that's um, that's one thing to think about. But as far as gateway... It turns out that it, turn, it, it is a reverse gateway. People who are in a loop of chemical addiction with various substances like alcohol or, or prescription painkillers, opioids, uh, it turns out that, that literally at the chemical biochemistry level, it unshackles that chemical mechanism of addiction. Um, and there have also been studies that, that show, for example, like in Colorado, where they made uh, marijuana recreationally illegal, the opponents said, well, hey, it's a gateway drug. And not only are we going to have more teenagers using marijuana uh, when it's legal, even though they're not supposed to buy it, then we predict that the teenage use will, will spike. So the, uh, the, uh, the proponents said, no, it won't. And then they basically made it legal and they crossed their fingers and hoped that it wouldn't spike use. Turns out, uh, that the opponents of the legalization were completely wrong. It didn't move the needle for teenage use at all or adult use. It's basically people are going to, it was like alcohol. Prohibition didn't yeah. stop people who were drinking yeah. before prohibition from wow. drinking. They just didn't agree with it. So they it's did what they great wanted. Great point. It's a great point. Where you finished it, I interrupt you. Yeah. I mean, that's my argument that, that it's, it's a gateway drug if somebody uses alcohol. Alcohol is a gateway drug as well because most people before they use heroin have definitely got stoned off alcohol for sure. That's very rare to have a person yeah. go to heroin and never have gone through the gateway of alcohol use. Um, and so, sure, if somebody ever gets hooked on something like methamphetamine or prescription opioids and prior to that they had smoked weed, but the truth is, if they had smoked weed prior, then statistically, they're supposedly less likely to get hooked into the more dangerous drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I agreed. I'm, I'm all with you here. Now, is it bad for your brain? 
I am, this is the number one reason why I have been so hesitant to get into it. And even now that I've tried it a few times, I would, I would not do it often. I would never do back to back days. Like it would not, uh, uh-huh. I, I, cause I'm not, I'm not certain yet. Does it kill brain cells, quote unquote, as, as yeah. many people say? And um, what about right. for an underdeveloped brain? I'm 22 years old. The average brain is like fully developed at 25, maybe give or take a few years. Yes. So, uh, great question. Yes. Um, so, let me talk about the different ways that someone can get high. So, with alcohol, the reason you get high or tipsy or drunk or buzzed or whatever word you want to put on it with alcohol is it causes your functioning brain cells to work differently. And here's how it does that. Let's say you've got a hundred brain cells or a hundred million, right? You've got a hundred percent of your brain cells before you get high on alcohol. You drink alcohol and it murders some brain cells, right? It kills brain cells. So now you have less than a hundred percent, which means that to function and think and walk around, the other brain cells that are still alive have to behave differently. And it is that different behavior of the living remaining ones that causes you to notice an altered state of perception. You might be more loose with your conversation. You might even be more flowing if you're creating a music track on your computer, right? As long as you don't get too drunk, could, you know? So that's kind of not the best way to alter your consciousness. It doesn't sound logical. Okay, I'm going to kill some brain cells, make the other ones work harder, and and they'll be behaving differently, and then I'll feel Mm. high on alcohol. Mm. But a a better way uh, to make your brain function differently is to enhance the interconnectivity of how brain cells talk to one another across the right and left hemispheres of the brain. And so... Things like mushrooms cause, when we're looking in these EEG machines, we're getting these, these cranial pictures of how, uh, how electricity is flowing in the brain, then we see that it causes the right and left hemisphere to fully integrate and talk to one another better. And so you get more uh, rich or complicated thoughts and deeper, more, you see more insight. You can rotate problems from more angles. That's mushrooms. Marijuana... Uh, hmm. and, and CBD and THC are more similar to the latter category of how, of how, uh, mushrooms and entheogens work than they are. They don't kill brain cells. So you had mentioned that earlier. So marijuana does not kill brain cells. Really? It, no, it causes the, the brain cells to actually thrive and talk to one another better. However, like with any substance, if, if you use it excessively, you know, then there, there can be problems. Like there can be problems. Like if I get really high today on THC, like really, like I overdo it, right? Then tomorrow my short-term memory is going to be a little bit impaired. Uh, I won't be able to remember things that I had on the tip of my tongue as easy as if I, if I hadn't overdosed on THC the day before. That was actually my next question too. So it doesn't affect long-term memory. Are you saying that? Uh, there are no good clinical studies that show this. It only shows a temporary impairment to short-term memory. But so does alcohol use show a temporary impairment because yes. the brain cells have to have to regenerate. Um, and so, for example, if you recreationally use marijuana on the weekend um, and then you give it some days in between, you would notice very little uh, cognitive impairment. Uh, another thing is if you used it every day, as many people do for sleep 
or, or, or slightly enhanced creativity, kind of like the way a person will drink a glass of wine in the evening, every evening. Um, if you use marijuana like that, then, then what happens is you kind of get acclimated to it. But if you're a brand new user, even in a small amount, you could, you could notice the next day uh, a slight THC hangover. So it really depends on the amount uh, that you overdo it. Um, but as far as I know from the clinical literature, um, it's inconclusive on whether there is, it's actually, there's no evidence that shows long-term brain damage um, from marijuana use. Yeah, so as a 22-year-old with whose brain is probably not fully developed yet, I'm not, I'm not hurting my potential. I'm not lowering my ceiling by doing it every now and then. Yeah, the, the weird thing is the mind is, is a very um, mysterious and enigmatic thing. So with your mind is this idea called consciousness. And science doesn't really understand what consciousness is. It has to do with a lot. Your thoughts and your emotions and all of your behavior has a lot to do with what you are afraid of and what you uh, aspire towards. And those are kind of up to you. And so when you have an experience like say with mushrooms and it gives you a new perspective on things, right? Like let's say you were angry at your father, right? Had trouble, you know, uh, maybe an abusive situation and, you, and you're holding this fear, anger with 90% of it below the threshold of your conscious mind, all this subconscious mess then the the enhanced level of consciousness that you experience during this altered state on mushrooms for example could allow you to have a breakthrough or an epiphany of thought and then you decide oh well i don't look at it i don't look at the glass as half empty anymore i choose to look at it as half full because i saw that in my expanded way of looking at something and then that changes you forever so similarly with marijuana you can have an altered perception that is very, very positive, like a creative insight that you just never synergized these four thoughts like that before. And it's brilliant. And you're like, wow, seemed like I had that thought because I was high on marijuana. And then that you take that with you. Then the THC hangover wears off. Uh, weeks later, months later, you may never smoke again, but, you, but your mind is permanently enhanced as far as your library of beliefs and fears and subconscious, you know, systems of thought. Before I go on, I want to like pause. How do you know all of this stuff? Is this your research or is this stuff that's like out there? People have studied this. Uh, um, it's not my research. Only research I do is on, um, quantum gravity and at Irwin Naturals, we do research, um, you know, we're involved with research uh, in plant, you know, nutraceuticals, but we don't sell THC at yeah. Irwin Naturals. So we've, I've, we've not done that. But I wrote, when I wrote the book, Pain Nation about CBD, I spoke uh, about the plant in general. And I learned a lot uh, doing clinical uh, paper studies in that process of doing that book last year. Um, and also I've read other things besides clinical papers, you know, just reading up a lot on it. Um, I've personally used marijuana since, you know, being a teenager off and on, mm -hmm. you know, not mm -hmm. consistently. Um, 
And so I have my own self as a laboratory, an experimental lab of my own body and mind. Um, and a lot of friends, and I've seen people abuse it, like just people stoners yeah, yeah. who just stay high all day, yep. you know, and, and abuse that. it. Um, and, and I've seen other people who have used it for, you know, um, enhancing creativity if they're programmers or they're people that are, are depending on their creativity. I've seen them use it to their benefit. So anyway, it's all this observation and looking at clinicals. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, uh, it's okay if you don't, but like maybe the book is one of those places. Do you have a place where you have like a lot of these, like a lot of sources in, in, in one place? Uh, the the book. Is yeah, at Pain Nation. The, at the end of the book, good, Pain Nation, good. but not on our website. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's all I wanted to know. Because it makes it much more powerful when, when you've cited these sources somewhere. Yes. Yes. So let's let's talk. Does cannabis make you happier? Or does it make you depressed? So um, I've not noticed anybody of the hundreds of people I've seen use cannabis or read about that it makes them depressed. But the weird thing about this plant is it has all these different radio dials of the cannabinoids and terpenes. So terpenes are part of the other 200 phytochemicals. And it, it's a really interesting thing because you can have one adjustment of these terpenes and cannabinoids that makes you feel up focused alert yeah, yeah, yeah. in the daytime extra creative happy and then that could be something good for people who are who do have clinical depression for example and then there's other ones that kind of just chill you out like having two glasses of wine maybe that helps an insomniac right um but i haven't really seen any combination that actually makes you uh depressed uh-huh is it not though classified as a depressant is it i i don't know for sure um it's it's uh, hard to put it yeah. into one bucket some people classify it as a mild uh, hallucinogenic other people um it 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 so we have barbiturates and and amphetamines right so we have things that are like caffeine right or the taurine in red bull is like an amphetamine oh. precursor, um, and then we've got and then we've got um, barbiturates um, that really just blah, just just zone you out. Um, but marijuana uh, nor mushrooms are kind; they're in neither of those categories. Uh, I like to think of them as plant molecules that cause the brain's neural pathways to talk to each other in enhanced ways. Mm hmm. What about someone who is depressed currently? And someone actually said this to me yesterday. And they're, you know, they, they haven't been, they haven't smoked cannabis in a while. And they're like, uh, you know, this, this person is uh, kind of feeling the onset of depression and thinking about going back to, picking up that uh, uh cannabis yeah is this a bad time to pick it up when you're depressed or is it or is that a great time to do it or should you wait uh -huh. until you know you're you're good and you can be self-sufficient great question um let me let me before answering it on marijuana say that one of the big rev big things that are being talked about nowadays is um the near pandemic levels of clinical depression yes. that's going on in society today. And so people, it turns out that this talk therapy, 
right? Going through 20 years of Freudian talk therapy. A lot of times that's not yielding results for people. I and, agree. Right? And then, they, and then you can go to the other types of, of caretakers who don't talk to you at all and they write you a script for something like Prozac. Mm. And then at the end of the day, that doesn't really help long term. And I don't dependent. think it's healthy either. No, right? It's got all those Ugh. nasty side effects. Ugh. So anyway, that's been how we've treated depression over the last many decades. And instead of those two ways um, reducing the percentage of Americans depressed, it's reaching, it's, it's at all time highs. So what's going on and what's the solution? So then what, what shows up on the scene is a few renegade clinical researchers that started going down to Mexico or other places in Europe where it's legal to do peer review clinical level research, university level research on, well, what happens if you take one of these people that has, have been unresponsive to Prozac or talk therapy, and you were to give them one single dose monitored by a medical doctor of a hallucinogen like mushrooms, what would happen? Well, it turns out that it acts as a one hit wonder. Literally, I mean, you hear that kind of language in the articles that talk about this clinical evidence that the, that the person just literally somehow rewires their brain. See, when you decide that you're going to look at the situation with your father in an abusive childhood one way, then it wires the brain and creates loops of chemical pathway that just repeat over and over for the rest of your life. Or you can just one day up and change your mind, which is easier said than done, and then it rewires the chemical pathways a different way. So what you think changes your hormone levels, your brain wiring. It's really interesting because what you think and choose to be a fearful of and choose not to be fearful of, it's kind of like a free will choice at some level, and, it, and then it loops back to act on your physiology. So anyway, so, so, so what about marijuana? Uh, is there evidence that a person can use the right mix of terpenes and cannabinoids as, as you know, kind of advised by your local bud tender at a, at a knowledgeable di cannabis dispensary? You, a lot of people, they go in, they try that, they use it at home, and they have a new way of looking at the thoughts in their minds that kept them perpetually depressed. And one would say, well, wait a minute, Clee, isn't depression a chemical imbalance, some kind of yeah, yeah. genetic disease kind uh -huh. of thing. Yes and no. And that's Can what be. I meant to say earlier. It's um, one thing creates the other. In other words, what you think and feel and choose to be afraid of defines the ratios of chemicals and the imbalance loops. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Ooh, that's, that's, that's great. What about, does it make you lazy? <laughs> yeah, it can make you lazy. Um, if you take too much only or yeah, just you, or, if, or if any amount? If, if you take too much. Um, so like I said earlier, there's a break-in period where if you find the right daily dose, if you're a person who's got anxiety or sleep problems or pain, chronic pain problems, you might be a person who's better off using it every day, right? So then when you first start doing it, then you find, oh, wow, there's like a hangover effect or 
a draggy effect on your life, but then you kind of acclimate to it. And then you get this ideal clinical dosage that you can use, you know, for pain, anxiety, depression on an, on an, or ADD on an ongoing basis. Right. I mean, I, I, I have had ADD and I used to take Adderall for five years oh. and it had side effects, it but it does, yes. right. But it was powerful in terms of how it focused my mind, but it did have side effects that I did not like. Um, then I started taking CBD for my uh, tendency to not be able to pay attention to that which bores only me. only CBD and not THC right just thirty milligrams of CBD so similarly to focus yes uh, it's well known to help with mm. ADD so t- CBD is known to help with ADD and it's way safer because there's virtually yes. no side effects but yeah THC um, can uh, can if you're using the wrong strain, you know, and you're using it, like, let's say you're using a strain that's good for insomnia to help you fall asleep and get a righteous night of sleep. But it, let's say you use that like an indica strain and you're using that during the day, like at work, right? Then it's going to just make you want to like sleep, you know, and you're indica is the one that makes you tired. Yeah. And then sativa is, is more uh, mentally stimulating. Okay. And that can help, that could help you focus perhaps at work. So a lot of people are using microdosing now, like in Silicon Valley, there are people using microdoses of mushrooms and microdoses of marijuana, THC, and it's giving them just enough of that 2% bump in creativity that yeah. they can outcode creatively there in that competitive environment. Well, what about, uh, so if you're on pure indica, the because that was actually my next question that we kind of just led into like can you still focus and get meaningful work done with cannabis and uh, you know with with sativa microdosing what we're talking about yes with indica probably not yeah no you don't want to use that for daytime stuff what about like okay so i have this i actually have this thing here it's kind of it's in the same sort of bottle as as yours but it's it's one-to-one one one thc to cbd yeah thc to cbd I don't think most edibles are not, this is technically an edible, right? Uh, Most edibles are not, it seems to me in my limited knowledge that they're not really classified as one or the other. Is it like a mix and and, Uh and it can't be used for focus? Um, Well, in the dispensaries here in Los Angeles, we've got a bunch of brands of edibles like gummies that some of the gummies are um, like, indica dominant gummies for nighttime use mm. and and others um are are hybrids where where they're between a sativa and an indica and others are pure sativa but edibles is like a whole different ball game edibles yeah. give you kind of like a body high and a body high kind of tends to make you real chill and heavier feeling um whereas the 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 vaped or the um or the or the incinerated plant. smoking doesn't seem healthy. Uh, well, it depends. Vaping, um, you know, vaping itself is is not what has been harmful in the whole vape pen of nicotine. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. It's the it's the stuff. <laughs> it's the carriers and the other chemicals in there. But um, and and when they vape um, the extract of the cannabis plant, they don't put all those other carriers and glycerin and all that other stuff in there it's just the plant so it's a better way to go because it turns the um 
it turns the the extract which is like an oil it turns that into very very small little molecular balls and it's it's there's no burning it's just like a like a, a humidifier right oh, or, or oh. diffuser and so then you breathe that in and then it transfers into the blood through the capillaries in the lungs and and that's what you know part of the lungs the lungs are kind of built for that because when we're breathing air we're constantly breathing in all kinds of other stuff like water molecules and and other stuff in the in the air um so it uh, i've never heard that vaped um cannabis oil uh is harmful but whenever you burn a plant uh then that that kind of creates secondary chemicals so even if you whether you're burning tobacco or you're burning marijuana but what's interesting is that marijuana is a, is known to be an anti-carcinogen wow so it it doesn't seem to correlate to lung cancer whereas burning tobacco is a car it does have carcinogens in the burned byproducts you know when you burn chemicals yes. they make second chemicals right that can be harmful so um i'm not i'm, I'm not aware of any evidence that and they've tried but i'm not aware of any evidence that's ever been found that shows that even burning marijuana leads mm. to lung cancer but I'm, i think it's safer yeah. to, to vaporize it for sure i'm just like sketched out by it i i, I did it one time yeah it was a couple of months ago yeah, like two months ago month and a half and i and it was the first time doing it of course in this in the burning form and i i said Never again. I feel. I. I literally. I was like, mm. oh, I think I have throat cancer already. I like. I just. <laughs> I felt hard. It, it was like, ew. You know. Yeah. 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 So. So. But you are in favor of, uh, of maybe the vaping form over an edible. Uh, it depends what what you want it for. I'm in favor mm. of the vaping over burning it, because it's much much healthier than burning anything even though burning it has not shown to lead to cancer. Right. But I'd still say to somebody who's my friend, I'd say, hey, if you, if you need to do it in the non-edible form, because uh, you don't want to get that body high, that heavy feeling, uh, then, then I would say as a person who's semi-knowledgeable, uh, it's, it's way uh, better to, to vaporize it than yeah, to burn yeah. it. So maybe only take an edible if you're ready to check out for the day. You don't have anything else yeah. on your calendar. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. That makes sense. So, I, I mean, I had another question here, but it seems like it, it's been answered. I, I was going to ask a, a very naive question. It sounds very naive to me now. What time of day is best? But it really depends on the strain and the form yep. and and, yes. uh, and what you're using it for. And, you what you're, got, a, yeah. and what you're using it for. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I mean, I think that about wraps up my questions on, uh, on cannabis. Awesome. Do you, Actually, I had one more. <laughs> Do you need the THC portion of it or, or is just CBD sufficient? Will that suffice? CBD seems to have more health benefits. Um, it seems to cover a broader range of things. Um, it also helps with pain. But THC uh, helps with a range of there's, there's some crossover. In other words, there's some things that both CBD and THC both help, but they each have other things that the other one doesn't really help with as well. And so there are some things for THC that it is specialized for uh, that you won't get from, uh, from CBD. Mm -hmm. So 
Klee, is there uh, is there anything you want to say about about your book? Oh well, um, yeah. I mean, I had f- fun with it um, because I've never written a book before. Um, uh, I'm passionate about the opioid epidemic and how we've got to do something about that. Yes. And once I learned that CBD and THC, that this plant cannabis unshackles or unwinds the chemical mechanism for opioid addiction, I see it as a potential kind of um, antidote to the zombie apocalypse, right? In other words, there's this scary potential you know, growing trend toward deaths and, and addictive life, you know, lives being taken over by this opioid addiction, mostly from pharmaceutical companies that gets released into the black market and gets into the street. Um, and then also people that are getting it from doctors. Like I know someone who was going to one doctor and getting a script for an opioid and then another doctor who didn't know about the first one and they double down and, and they can keep abusing it because you always have to keep upping your dose. It just keeps going up because your body acclimates. So it's a real dangerous thing. And so just that alone is, is something, you know, we talk about that in the book. So the book is called Sick, Stressed and All. So the, the book is Pain Nation, but the subtitle is Sick, Stressed and All Effed Up, Is mm. CBD the Cure? So the idea is that we live in a nation with increasing levels of anxiety, ADHD, OCD, depression, and it's being fueled by a negative political conversation where it's about themism and fear and the Mexicans are going to take our jobs and let's be afraid of that and the Chinese are going to usurp our 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 seat at the throne of the of the king of the world and all of these things to be afraid of and to point and blame other people and look at them as the boogeyman in both internally within our country and externally and that very conversation is biologically built to put our bodies in a state of stress yeah you know and a constant state of of alert and hyper vigilance when maybe no hypervigilance is called for. Maybe it's not as bad. Maybe things will flow and work out. And and so is it really worth it to put ourselves in a themism nonstop conversation? And and so I look at how CBD can uh, change the conversation. And the reason is because all of your thoughts are a process of you ever, you know, you seem like an equalizer on a, on a stereo, right? Yes. Where you've got these bandwidths that can go up and down. You can adjust them. So your thoughts and your state of mind from sleeping to, to this podcast are about a division between, um, four different wavelengths called beta. So if you want, beta is short wavelength. And then another category of brain waves called alpha. That's a little longer. A third category called theta, which is even longer. And then the last category, which is called delta, which are real long and stretched out. So so any thought during your day, any conversation at the water cooler about the, the, the you know, something like... like the drama. A, the dra- yes, thank you. The drama that would lead to fear or optimism because we can have optimistic conversations and those conversations tend to bump up the theta and the alpha as a ratio. Mm -hmm. So in clinical studies, 
it's shown that when your when your alpha and your theta are bumped up, you're smarter in terms of standardized uh, creative problem solving tests. In other words, you're more creative so you can synthesize solutions better. And so what happens with CBD is it bumps up your ratio of theta and and uh, and alpha brain waves relative to the more jittery uh, uh, beta brain waves. Now, if you want to just balance your checkbook and do arithmetic really fast and and not worry about creative intelligence, then you might want to drink a big cup of coffee and get jacked up with your beta. But that can get you jittery and get you into an argument with someone easier as well. So anyway, so I think if people would calm the hell down as a nation and just start looking for solutions and not get over-exaggerated with the dangers and fears aspect of the conversation, but focus on, on maybe, you know, optimism and inclusion and problem solving and not setting up enemies, right, in our minds, then, then, then literally, if we got CBD to be as popular as, say, caffeine or as nicotine used to be, that would get into the bloodstreams of millions of people, raise the level of alpha, which is the creative and the chill factor, and literally change the political conversation at a time when the country may be like a bus veering towards a precipice at the end of a cliff, right? We, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't want to have a meltdown. And so CBD can perhaps come to the rescue. My friends, doesn't, doesn't Pain Nation sound intriguing? Get that book, Pain Nation, on Amazon and uh, you know even you know, even if you're you're considering getting the book you listen to this full episode on on cannabis and you've never you've never had an experience with it I mean I'm proud of you for listening all the way to this point because you know just because you you don't agree with something doesn't mean you can't uh, I think it's a very good thing to hear the opposite point of view I think it's a it's a good thing to be well read on it that's Neil deGrasse Tyson is uh, very well known for reading books that that oppose one another. His his library has all sorts of opposing views, and he's very very well read on on all of it. So, cleeirwin.com, irwinnaturals.com. Clee, uh, I appreciate you very much. This has been uh, one of those interesting conversations I've had on the podcast. Very fascinating to me. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Jordan. Thank you. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.